What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. We're coming to you after an Ohio State victory over Minnesota last weekend, 37-3 to in the shoe on Senior Day. Uh, what a great sight it was to see some of these seniors uh, and some of these underclassmen that are going pro uh, have their last roundabout in the shoe. Um, but really, I think all signs point to this week being the game, and I think you guys all know what I'm talking about. How are you doing, Senor Davis? Oh, dude, it is... Christmas time, man. You know, it, it's just it's that time of year. I mean, it's Thanksgiving, okay? I, yeah, yes, our family looks ahead as well as everyone else looks ahead past Thanksgiving. You think the team but, up north was like, hey, thanks, like for Thanksgiving, where they like, thanks for giving us the signs. Yes, the yeah. thanks, <laughs> thanks for giving us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, Actually, the funny thing was uh, for that Minnesota game, um, I score predicted 38-3, and you're like, really? And I was like, man, you know, if we play well, that's what it could be. It was 38, it was 37-3. So, so you were wrong. I was really damn close. Now, you know, close only counts. But if we were playing prices right, I did go over by one. So, By the way, before we get to it, I just need to make something public real quick. Okay, and I've been waiting oh, on this episode. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. You're not coming out, are you? Not that you know of. <laughs> there was there was something said in a in a text string a couple of weeks ago, and I would just like you to see if you want to double down on that. You did refer to yourself as a prop bet guy. Is that correct? That may have been commented on. That may have been commented on. And then could you please explain to everyone out there in Buckeye Nation what has happened since you called yourself the prop bet uh, guy? I think I went one in five since then. <laughs> On oh, no. Uh, seven and two. <laughs> I went seven and two. Yeah, two and seven. Two so, and okay. Seven, so, yeah. yeah. So, it's been, uh, yeah. I, I, might, I, might, I might recall something like that. Yeah. I just got to rub a little salt where salts do, you know. But, so anyways, dude, let's, let's real quick talk you're, about. You're up by one, right? And prop bets now? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. It ain't over yet. It ain't no. over yet. So, tell me what you saw on Saturday at this Minnesota game, man, before we get into the good stuff. I'm just going to make it quick, man. Uh, the offense uh, didn't look as sharp as I hoped. Um, Kyle McCord didn't. I think it was mainly Kyle McCord. Just didn't look as, as sharp as I hoped. He didn't play bad. Against a Minnesota team like that, I was hoping for a little bit more of what we saw, like Michigan State. Uh, really, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders, dotting people up. Uh, he had his moments, but he also had several moments where it was turnover-worthy plays again. Uh, plays that he potentially could have been throwing a pick. Uh, could have fumbled the ball. Um, I saw a little regression out of him that gives me some pause for this upcoming weekend. But overall, I think the offense still played pretty well and the defense played great again. So I really don't have any major complaints. I just would have liked to see Kyle McCord be a little bit sharper. Yeah, I can agree, man. I just feel like, like we've talked about before, I hate beating a dead horse, man. We said it week after week. We know what we're getting with him. I'm just hoping that we've made it this far in the season. We're 11-0. Okay, you can't complain when you're 11 and 0, but I'm hoping that he can dig down into that common cord bean bag of his and pull out a little bit of freaking magic for this Saturday. Okay, that's all I'm saying, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm never ready for what I'm getting ready to say. And anyone that listens to this thing no. knows I never know what's going to come out. Okay, I just start talking. <laughs> but anyways, right. I'm hoping he can find a little bit of magic for this coming Saturday. Um, I kind of knew we knew what it was going in. Defense played great. Ohio State, I feel like on offense was just kind of 
a little bit less than enthusiastic, I guess. But also, you know, I was happy to see us wrestling people. I think health was um, a factor into this. And also, although I really was kind of pissed off about how much McCord played there towards the end, um, I thought he should have came out sooner. Um, but it is what it is, dude. Onward. All right. So let's get into just a, a quick minute on the CFP. Obviously, we're recording this on a Monday evening, so the new one has not come out yet. And uh, just a quick drop in. Are you seeing any potential changes, any important info, maybe on the entire landscape of the CFP? I mean, obviously, you had Ohio State and Michigan and Georgia and Washington. Um and Oregon and Florida State all take care of business, but Florida State had a big hit where their starting quarterback's done. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not expecting any changes, but is there anything that is jumping out to you or anything you're expecting to see from the CFP this week? Absolutely. There's no way Washington doesn't jump Florida State this week. Zero chance. So Washington did beat uh, Oregon State. Another um, ranked team. Another uh, and another one and another one. It's so, a, dude, and how many are they going to have to beat before they get a little bit of respect? I understand they got no defense. Got it. But they keep eking out wins, and that's what a championship football team does. Yeah, I think I think it's clear. And I don't know, you know, how much uh, of that Jordan Travis injury for Florida State is also going to be on the committee's mind. I mean, it shouldn't be. And I think the I mean, they still put I, up over 50, didn't they? They ended up putting up over they 50. They played right? an FCS school, though. So, I mean. You know, it, it, it's that time of the year where you have several teams, ACC and SEC, that decide to play their cupcakes before their big rivalry week. But, you know, I think the merits, like you mentioned, of Washington's schedule and who they've beat up to this point and all these teams that they've gone through, that not only are they, are they deserving to jump, um, uh, to jump Florida State, but I'll be perfectly honest, they're deserving to jump Michigan. Because I'm, Michigan dude, I've been saying this. has yeah. that one ranked win, and then they did not look good against uh, a decent, I'll say a good, decent Maryland team, but a Maryland team still that Ohio State beat by 20, and they they had to close it out by, you know, with a seven-point win at the end. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I think things will work themselves out, but the committee could at least show a little bit of gusto this week and move Washington up. And at least one spot, if not two. I don't see a lot of people have, and I saw the AP as well, had um, Ohio State uh, jump Michigan this week in the AP poll. So now they're number two. Um, I thought that was kind of weird. But anyways, I don't think you're going to see any change at the top. I do think, though, uh, that Washington finally jumps uh, Florida State. And I'm going to call that. You heard that here. That's going to happen. Has to. I think I think that's per, I think there's a very good chance that, that could happen too. As a matter of fact, I, I might actually be a little bit shocked if we don't see that happen. Um, I mean, obviously, it you know you keep winning, everything's going to work out. But I mean, you watch Georgia win, and after Ohio State blew out Michigan State, they got jumped. Why? Yeah. Because Georgia beat another ranked team. Like you said, so it's all at this work point, out the Washington end. should move up. You know, it's all going to work out in the end, like you said. Um, everybody's got to play each other. You know, Washington's got to play Oregon. Uh, Georgia's got to play Alabama. Ohio State's got to play Michigan. Um, you know, all those games are going to sort themselves out in the end. Um, but for right now, and that's what I'm saying, like, you can't do what you think it's going to be for right now. Based on the resume, there is no way Washington's not ahead of Florida State, at least. And they should be ahead of Michigan, in my opinion, just based on resume, not 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 eye test. OK. I'm not doing the eye test thing. I'm just saying if you go purely on resume, there's no reason Washington shouldn't be ranked number three. 
uh, okay, so let's get into what this episode is really about, and it is that time. This is what we had circled for the last 360-plus days since last year's disappointing loss in the shoe. It is Ohio State-Michigan Rivalry Week. Was there a follow-up to that? <laughs> just no. Just no. Just, let's, let's just take a minute. Let's just think about it. <laughs> I mean, we're here. Let's just, you know, let, let, let's have a moment of silence and let's put to bed the bad juju from the last couple of years. And let's just just take it in, man. Dude, this is the last regular season game of 2023. Dude, the season just flew by. I mean, I swear it, it felt like the first game was just yesterday. Feels like and, the first game. <laughs> Oh, that was terrible, dude. My singing career is not not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I, it does feel yeah. that way, dude, to go so quick each and every year. I always feel like we blink and the season's over because we're so busy during it, um, especially, you know, with with watching the games and our families and then doing two podcasts a week every week. Um, you know, it just flies by. So it is that time. Let's go ahead and go over. Obviously, this rivalry has been going on since 1897. And when I get ready to read off a bunch of these stats, it's obviously going to be highly that team up north favored because basically they owned the first 20 years of the rivalry back when they were still playing with leather helmets and they had spectacles and cleats weren't a thing and there was no such thing as cars and pretty much anything that wasn't important and irrelevant at that they time. probably were stealing our cleats and stuff back then. Uh, absolutely. But they actually, yeah, they had to get some bifocals in order to be able to see them. <laughs> had to do they something. Can't, they, they can't use these recordable sunglasses that they got nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> so the first meeting was in 1897, of course. Michigan took that one thirty-four nothing. Uh, obviously, we know what the last couple years have been. Uh, the overall series lead does still lean Michigan 60, 51, and 6. However, I don't remember I, where that stat is, but I watched it. But they showed you by age how old you are. Uh, what the record would actually be. And you'd have to be, I think, 80, 90, maybe over 100 years old. I think that's right. I think you have to be over 100 years old in order for you to be alive while Michigan has beat Ohio State more. So pretty much in all of our lifetimes, Ohio State has you know, been on the better side of this rivalry, especially as of late uh, over the last 20-some years. However, in the very short term, we are 0-2 in the last two years. So. Leading into this year, you are looking at um, an Ohio State-Michigan team that are sporting two of the best three defenses in the country. Ohio State is kind of tipping a little bit around the tw- you know top 25 offensively, Michigan a little bit better statistically. But really, if you look at these two teams, there's a ton of similarities. Probably the most similar these teams have looked in the, uh, as far as I can remember, maybe back to the early 2000s. Um, Ohio State has taken a step back this year offensively while they have improved uh, significantly on the defensive side. Michigan's still sporting a really good defense, and I think their offense, even though they're bringing a ton of people back, I think has taken a little bit of a step down, but they're still functional. So I really think these teams are super comparable this year. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, I do. I think I think that's true. I don't think really either one of our quarterbacks are anything to write home about. Um I think both of us have a good running back when you got Blake Corum and you got uh, Travion on our side. Um, like I've always said before, 
Um, we'll see what the big uglies bring on Saturday. That's always a super important thing to me. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of excited to see that. But we match up really well. I think uh, both defenses are going to stop the respective offenses. I really do. But I really do think that uh, in the second half might be a different ball game, dude. It, it, all right. So here's where I think uh, Ohio State has their first advantage. OK. And obviously it is with Jim Harbaugh not being on the sideline. And I understand that Jim Harbaugh is not the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator, but he has, uh, you know, especially with how long he's been with the Michigan program now, he, you know, he's a key part of that team. And when it comes to in-game adjustments and input and whatever it may be, uh, at least for Michigan's, you know, interest, you know, that that's a massive loss. Now, is that comparable? Like saying if Ohio State didn't have Ryan Day, I think it would hurt us more because Ryan Day is still obviously the play caller. Um, but I do think that this does give Ohio State an advantage, especially if crap hits the fan in the game uh, during the game and Michigan finds themselves down or there's some adversity. You know, all the pressure is going to go on Sharon Moore, um, you know, the, the the interim coach for these last handful of games. And I think that's uh, the first spot where you're going to see Ohio State have an advantage. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it all really comes down to the same thing we complain uh, about, you know, with Ryan Day. And that is like red zone play calling and uh, situational football. Um, You know, when you're going to go for it on fourth down, really important calls that could turn the tide of a football game. And I think that, uh, you know, with more being at the helm and not necessarily having that experience to this point, that could uh, cause an issue in this game. Cause I do think it's going to be a tight one for a while. So let me ask you this. Um, obviously, you know, we, we've beaten a dead horse talking about the whole Connor stallions cheating scandal and all of this stuff going on. And then we've kind of like thought back about the last couple of years and questioned how much, you know, did that have an effect on those previous games? Um, we'd have to assume it had some impact whether or not that actually changed the outcome of the game. I don't know. Um, I feel like that's more accurate probably last year than was two years ago, but um, it'll be very interesting to see what these teams look like this year now that I'm assuming, you know, Michigan will no longer know these signs. Now, I don't know if Ohio State's changed their signs or what's happened in preparation for this game. But you'd have to under you'd have to at least reasonably expect that Ohio State's not going to be calling the same stuff that they assume Michigan already knows. So uh, I think you've seen over the last handful of games with Michigan that against uh, Penn State, there was definitely some struggles in that game. And obviously last weekend against Maryland, you know, they've not really looked like the same team since a lot of this stuff's come out. Now, I don't know how much of that is distraction and Coach Harbaugh not being there or how much is it that, you know, they've been exposed and they can no longer take care, you know, take advantage of the signs that they uh, apparently have had. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see because I, I'm one that regardless of what they knew over the last couple of years, uh, this is a different Michigan team that is a lot more talented than they've been over the last 20 years. And I think that this clearly, and we talked about it at the beginning of the season, this is probably the best Michigan team that we've faced um, almost in our lifetime. And regardless if they know signs or not, it's going to be a dogfight. I agree, but I just think uh... – 
the way that things have happened this season, there's a different feeling around Columbus, and there hasn't been this feeling in a long time. It's a feeling of animosity, a feeling of anger, a feeling of revenge. And people can talk about it all they want, but it was not there after the first loss. And to be honest with you, until all this stuff happened, I don't know how much it was there after the second loss. But I feel like it's there now. It's there in a way I haven't seen it there in a long time since I was a kid and we were getting our ass kicked every single year. Um, now it's back and I feel it, dude. And when that, when you feel that here in Columbus, Ohio, it's just different. And if you haven't lived that, I can't explain it to you, but this is different. And I'm telling you, Ryan Day is coaching for something more than just a win over Michigan. I think these players are playing for something more than a win over Michigan. And I think you're going to see that Saturday, dude. I really do. I just feel it deep down in my gut, man. So what is the first matchup that you think is going to be critical in this game? Uh, you could say it's something with Ohio State's offense against a certain part of Michigan's defense or whatever it may be. But what is your first critical matchup that you think is going to be a game uh, like a game changing issue in the game? Probably uh, Michigan sideline versus the three guys holding our cue cards. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So what's number two? Uh to be honest, uh, the biggest thing to me in this entire game is going to be Michigan's defensive line and our offensive line. I think that's it. I don't care what anybody says. We have receivers that can go up against their defensive backs. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm worried about can we run the ball and can we give Kyle McCord the time to throw the ball when he needs to. To me, that's going to be the number one thing. I'm not worried about J.J. McCarthy. I'm really not. I think, like, to me, if if we can stack the box and we can limit them and make J.J. McCarthy throw the ball on us, I'm feeling pretty darn good about it, dude. And that's the way I want to see it. But to me, the main battle, dude, is going to be our offensive line and their defensive line. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's hard to not start there. I do think that is a critical, important part. And that's the easy one to call. And it's probably the most accurate one, to be perfectly honest with you, because the way both of those interact hand in hand is going to effectively influence all the other parts of the game. So I get that. And I don't disagree. As a matter of fact, I do agree with that. But I guess if I'm going to be a little more specific for me, this is all about Kyle McCord for me. Um, I think Trayvon Henderson's still going to be able to get his in this game. I think the yards are going to be harder to come by, but he's still electric that, you know, um, he understands this is, you know, is this like the, the one game that he's been like the healthiest at against Michigan? I know he did play his true freshman year um, and he was utilized a little bit, but last year he didn't get to play in it. So he's going to be highly motivated in this game and I'm not worried about him um, and the receivers. I can say I'm not worried about the receivers, but it's going to be based on Kyle McCord. And yes, can the offensive line keep Kyle upright Can and give him uh, an opportunity to make good decisions? But at the end of the day, even against a lot worse defenses, we watch Kyle McCord make several turnover-worthy plays. And I say that a lot because I, you, plays that he could fumble, maybe doesn't, but he's holding the ball wrong, bad passes that are hitting defenders in the hand. Um, throwing behind receivers, um, you know, even ones that are not necessarily turnovers, but like the intentional groundings, he's had like four or five of those this year. Um, he's not super mobile in the pocket whenever he starts getting pressure. So he panics quickly. I need to see Kyle McCord grow on that beanbag that you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I need deep to in that sucker. Gotta get deep in that beanbag, <laughs> dude. And I need to see him read the field play confident, 
throw confident, make good decisions, and do not turn the ball over. Because I'm that confident in our defense that as long as Kyle McCord can keep the ball and make good choices, he doesn't have to throw for 300 yards and three, four TDs this game. He could throw for 180, 200 yards and one or two touchdowns and still win us this game. You know what I mean? I trust that much in our defense. So he just needs to be a really good, smart game manager and take care of the ball. And when the shots are there and when the, when the, you know, the receivers are open, he needs to hit them. And that's, I think that's the game breaker in this game. If you see a solid game out of comic core, that is going to equal an Ohio state win. I mean, I I agree that that's part of it too, but you know, like I said, dude, I have to go back to being able to establish the run and, and the the offensive and defensive lines to make that happen. Because I don't think anything happens with Common Court if that doesn't happen. Nothing. So let me ask you this then. What is the part the most in this game that worries you? And I'm going to make you be more specific. You can't just say line play. you got to be a little bit more specific, even though you might be leaning that way. But what is the part of this matchup that worries you the most? Um, to be totally honest with you, I would say that worries me the most. Um, I think the most important thing is the lines. I think the thing that worries me the most oh is Kyle McCord. I mean, it's <laughs> got to be Kyle McCord. Yeah. See, th- that's where I'm at. Honestly, that's where I'm at. That's what worries me most. Well, it and worries, it's because I to let he's you know, given because us reason fishing. to worry. Now, if you look at his stats, you were his stats are great. Correct. You were fishing for something to make you correct. And I knew that. That's why I had to say it one more time. I think the most important thing. I wasn't like, doing it intentionally <laughs> to make me correct. I just happen to be correct all the time. So oh, it, just, yeah, yeah. it happens as a matter of fact. That's why I threw it in again. That's exactly why. <laughs> but but listen, that but that is the interesting part, because I think Buckeye Nation as a whole, that's their worry. Buckeye Nation's not worried. And me and you, we're not sitting here super concerned about our defense. I'm not worried about getting gashed left and right. I'm not worried about them running all over us all day long. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that Michigan's not going to be able to move the ball on us. Absolutely they will. I mean, we've seen teams like Rutgers and even Michigan State early in the first quarter, and several of the teams move the ball on us somewhat, but we still locked down when we needed to. And we only gave up one play all year long of over 40 yards, and it was a freaking fumble ruski to Rutgers. So I feel I, I have a ton of confidence in this defense that they can make things super difficult for Michigan. It's all about Kyle McCord. That's it. End of discussion. There should be nothing else. He plays well, we win. He plays bad, we lose. It's that simple. I mean, that's probably pretty true. And another thing I was thinking about as well is I feel like starting fast in the first half, not even starting fast, um, but making the most of our possessions in the first half is going to be super important because I just feel like with the game plan that we know that Michigan's probably going to come with, I mean, our defense cannot be on the field the whole game. We cannot be going three and out and then having them march down the field, whether they score or not, but having these long, drawn-out drives, and then we get the ball back and it's three and out. You know, that's a good way to get beat in the second half. I really don't want that. Like I said, it's really important that we capitalize on the possessions that we get, especially early. I don't want to go into the half down 14 points. And I don't want to go into the half with our defense so tired that they can barely stand up going in the second half. So I think that's pretty important, too. 
So if you remember the last couple of years against uh, Michigan, we were actually either leading at the half or right there. I mean, last year we were leading by three. I can't remember a couple of years ago, but I know we were right there. And it was the second halves, really, that wore us down. And I think Ryan Day is aware of this. Jim Knowles is aware of this. And they understand it's got to be a four-quarter match. And that's why we've really been building this team defensively to continue to give this offense chances throughout the entire game. But you're right. We need this offense to at least, even if they're struggling to score, they at least need to be able to maintain some possession of the ball to keep our defense fresh. Because if we are getting these three and outs and we're ruining drives quick or we're turning the ball over, the defense is going to be playing a lot of minutes in this game. And I do not trust the defense. The only time I won't trust them is if we're going to have to put them on the field for 35 to 40 minutes or more. Because at some point, Michigan will do the same thing they've done the last couple of years, wear us down, and basically give us that uppercut in the fourth quarter. And we've got to avoid that this year. Yep, agreed, man. I mean, we could talk a million different ways about this, but uh, we're going to go ahead and give our prop bets and score prediction. And we have a little surprise for you. Um, if you're still sticking around on this, we actually have a guest on our episode for our second part of this episode. And it is uh, someone that I know that works with my wife, and he happens to be a Michigan fan. And he's someone I've had a lot of arguments with over the last couple of years. And I decided, why the hell not? Let's bring him on and get his perspective of what this rivalry is you know, current things with the cheating scandal and obviously what this weekend might potentially look like kind of from a Michigan fans perspective. So I think you won't want to miss it. It's going to be an interesting interview. Um, so stick with us uh, um, once we get done with our prop bets and score prediction. All right. Well, before we do that, let's talk about our uh, sponsor, Additional Flavors. That's www.additionalflavors.com. Go there, check out the spices. Um, check out the rubs. If you go down to the home page, uh, you'll see our our uh, link there at the bottom. It says the official Ohio State podcast of additional flavors. Uh, they've been a great company to work with. Um, make sure that if you go there and try some of their stuff that you uh, that you mention us. Um, so we'd love to uh, keep cross promoting each other's businesses and trying to get this thing off the ground. So check them out. www.additionalflavors.com. All right. So prop bets. You are currently leading by one. Uh, we did so say yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So we at least agreed in principle. I don't remember if it was on an episode or just talking, but we agreed that as long as Ohio State is playing a game, we will do a prop bet on it. So the prop bet season does not end until after the bowl game, All whatever bowl the, game or college football playoff or whatever it may be. So to the base, even the God. Bless America. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, either way, um, I do trail by one, but anything can happen. And here are our three prop bets for the Michigan game. And this one was difficult. I mean, these seem like really random ones. Not random, but, you know, we just agreed too much on a, on a lot of these other ones, uh, especially some of the key players in this game. We just had a hard time disagreeing on it. So, we ended up going with a field goal prop in this one. And will there be a field goal made of over 42 and a half yards? So 43 or longer yardage field goal made in this game. Um, I said yes. Chad said no. Um, the o- overall over under for this game is 46 and a half. I'm taking the under and Chad's taking the over. And then our final one is will Ohio State get a defensive turnover? And I say yes. Chad says no. 
So those are our three prop bets for this week, and uh, we're not going to post them online, but we do have our script parlays. I know we've kind of forgotten to mention them the last couple episodes, even though we still post them on our Facebook page. But these ones are simple. We both did the exact same prop bet. We both put money on Ohio State to win outright, and we got that at plus 145 odds. So let me tell you this. They say that you're supposed to bet with your brain and not with your heart. Well, we both said the hell with that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I took everything I had left in my DraftKings account and put it on there. So, yeah, I really yeah. need him to win this week. You know, kind of need it for a bunch of things. Well, it, you'll know it, next week. Just give me a shout. Either you'll, you'll Yeah, you'll know next week. If there's no more episodes and you're like, what happened to these guys? Things didn't go well this weekend. Yes, because I had to pawn my audio equipment to eat. That's exactly what it is. Exactly. All right, dude, let's do score predictions, and we'll get on to our interview with that Team Up North fan. All right. You go first, man. Okay. I do think this is going to be under. Um, The over-under is 46.5, and I think that's pretty accurate, but I do think it's going to be two of the three best defenses in the country, at least statistically. Um, against not the most elite offenses. Ohio State may be right around hovering around top 25, Michigan hovering around top 20, top 18. Um, I don't see anything with either one of these offenses that are flashy enough that makes that is leading me to believe that either one of these teams against this style of defense is going to put up 30 points. Uh, I think points are going to be hard to come by. I think this is going to look a lot similar to the Penn State game, even though uh, we're not facing as inept of an offense like Penn State had. Um, But I think it's going to be very similar. So I'm going to call it 23 to 17 Ohio State. I'm going to be completely the opposite. I think the first to 35 wins. Um, I think Ryan Day is going to coach the game of his life because he has to. I don't think there will be a life if he doesn't if he doesn't coach the game of his life. Um, I don't think he's going to take the foot off the gas. I think all the emotion and all of the pain and the anguish that's happened here in the last three to four years um, with this Ohio State program involving Michigan is all going to come out Saturday. It's all going to come out. And I think the Buckeyes are going to give us all we want, all we've expected the last two years but didn't get. I think we're going to get it Saturday. First to 35 wins, that's going to be Ohio State. I'm going to go 35-24 bucks. Hope you're right, man. Hope you're right. Uh, Ohio State has a hard time scoring anywhere close to 40, even against bad teams. So if you're right, then Michigan's mother. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. (laughs) So we are really hoping that we will rejoin you um, for our review um, with good news. But until then, we do have our second portion here where we have our interview with Tyler who is uh, that Team Up North fan, and he's got some interesting things to say. So uh, let's go ahead and bring in Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, Tyler, I'm going to let you at least start it off and kind of tell us, you know, how you became a Michigan fan, because from what I understand, you're not even from Michigan. Is that right? Uh, I am, um, but I've lived the last... 10 of the last 13 years of my life, not in Michigan. Um, I actually lived, so I actually lived in Ohio for three years, about an hour south of Columbus, right in the heart of Buckeye country. Um, And I think in those three years, I probably became more of a Michigan fan than I was before. 
because I had to be around Ohio State fans so much. Um, and so I just I just grew up didn't to be honest I really wasn't into really Michigan sports much at all. And then my dad took me to a game um, going to the Big House. It was against Central Michigan, and it was incredible. I absolutely loved it. Um, for that moment, I I liked Michigan. Um, didn't really get super serious into it. Um, and then in college, I started into it more because I didn't have anything else to do but pay attention to college sports. And then really it was when I moved to Ohio that I really dug my heels in and it the, the rivalry became real to me as a fan. You know what I'm saying? Um, just just being a part of like, I think the thing that, that made it so unique for me was being a part of the, the fan rivalry that I'd never been a part of um, really kind of showed me exactly how special this rivalry is, this weekend is, and it's really what's kind of pushed me to be even more involved with, with Michigan athletics as a whole. So um, that's kind of what's gotten me here. Um, sort of started just a kind of childhood fandom and, and grew, grew from there. Okay. So, and I know you're younger than me and Chad are, so can you kind of give me uh, like, what is about the earliest year you can remember being a Michigan fan? Oh man. Um, well, so for me, it was the, John Navar is the first Michigan quarterback that I remember. So that would have been early 2000s. It was, it was shortly after they, they won a national championship. Um, I think it was 2002, 2003 is the first season I remember. Um, and then the first year that I can vividly remember was 2000, was it 2006? Yeah. One against two in the shoe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Chad Henney versus Troy Smith. That's the first year that I vividly remember Michigan football season start to finish um, was was 2006. OK, well, um, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, your first experience in the big house was against Central Michigan, because apparently they're in cahoots as what we've seen lately with Mr. Connor <laughs> Stallions. But let's go ahead and get right into it, man. Um Obviously, you know, we're not going to sit here and regurgitate what everyone has heard up to this point. We understand the facts and the things that we've seen. Um, obviously, Jim Harbaugh still on the sidelines this upcoming weekend uh, against Ohio State. And, man, I mean, things from a lot of perspective, and I'm, I'm really trying to say this as unbiasedly as possible, it just does not look good. Um, I'm going to give you kind of the floor to give – a perspective as a Michigan fan, because a lot of what our listeners listen to is us talking and a lot of Ohio state content talking, and there might be a tiny bit of bias in there, but realistically, I mean, we're kind of just spitting a bunch of facts and it seems like every day something new comes out, something different's happened, but why don't you give us your perspective on this whole scandal with Connor Stallions and the, the Michigan program? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have have two stances um on it and, and i'll explain what i mean you know first off i think the whole thing is just kind of a bizarre situation i think you guys would agree it's just a very bizarre thing as more information comes out it's just it's it's just a very strange way that things have unfolded um first off even as a michigan fan i'm 100 percent for the integrity of the game and um if, if the ncaa investigation concludes that uh, Michigan administration should be punished and Harbaugh should be suspended a year, whatever. I'm, I'm a hundred percent cool with that. Cheating is cheating. 
Um, and I don't think whether it's my team or any other team, it, am I going to welcome it for the wins and the bragging rights over Ohio State? Absolutely, I would. Um, but am I going to sit here and say that they shouldn't, you know, should escape punishment? No, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think from a Michigan fandom perspective, though, it, it it puts the program in a very precarious situation because while every year there's kind of been like the Harbaugh NFL talk, um, this I think is the first year that it's kind of felt like Harbaugh is being pushed out in a way um, just be, as a result of this. I don't really know how he recovers um, from this. I know there's the weird stuff with the now the booster with apparently funding Connor Stallions and a coach was trying to like cover up stuff for Connor Stallions rather than letting him just take the ball. It's just a weird scenario. Um, and, and so at, at the end of the day, to be honest, I think this year is the best year Michigan has to really do some damage. Um, beyond this year, though, I don't know what happens because I don't know if Harbaugh can really save face after this, to be honest. Um, this is a major black mark on what's been a, a pretty good coaching career for him. Um, so even as a Michigan fan, puts me in a, in a place of severe uncertainty, just not really knowing if there's a way for him and for the program to really make their way back from this. So, Chad, I want to bring you in on this. Uh, what is kind of your take on his opinion on this? Do you agree? I mean, is do you think he's more in the majority, or are you just kind of seeing like, – like, what's your what's your take on that? Well, I think, it, you know, if you listen to any of our other podcasts, you would say that I'm probably in the minority of Ohio State fans and that I said on our other podcast that I just I need to see the facts. Like we talked about, you know, there's a lot of reports about coaches giving other coaches information over the phone between games, uh, people gathering signs from, you know, different places. And I just want to know, you know, in the landscape of football, there's so many things we don't know, so many things that happen behind the scenes, so many good old boy network things that we don't know about. And I just want to know really on a grand scale of things, how egregious is it? You know what I mean? How egregious is this actual act? You know, I, I understand that you're not supposed to record at games. I understand that. Um, that's, you know, a major thing. And you can't send someone physically to represent your team in order to gain those recordings. I, I completely understand that. But in the grand scheme of things, how egregious is it? And that's kind of where I've lied, you know, on this. I guess my, my thing is I'm actually, uh, you know, wanting to kind of ask Tyler, you know, one, do you think Harbaugh will bolt after the season, uh, you know, regardless of the findings? And then also, do you believe this game on Saturday is more important for Michigan to save face? Because now we know they, you know, whether they did or they didn't have the signs before. Now we know they don't. So do they have to win this game to prove that they're a good enough football team? A hundred percent. I think, first off, the Harbaugh point, I think this year it is more a real possibility than it ever has been. I think a lot of other years it's just been because – He's an NFL guy. He had some success, made the NFC Championship games, coached in the Super Bowl. So his name was naturally in the mix. This year, I feel 100% like it is a – I don't know if it's a guarantee because Harbaugh is a made man at Michigan. He can do kind of whatever he wants from an administration standpoint outside of the AD, who's a clown and should be fired anyway because um, he's more concerned about his spot on the CFP committee than actually running an athletic department. But – He's, he's a made man at Michigan, um, but I do think that this game on Saturday is going to be huge for this group of players um, because I know there's a lot of people protecting them, um, and, and I agree. Like If they didn't know what was going on, it's kind of unfair to punish them, but it's just collateral damage. They need to win this game on Saturday to put all that to rest. 
because then what are you going to say? You, you can't say that it was only the signs that was the reason Michigan won, but if they lose, that narrative very easily could be that. And to be honest, I wouldn't blame the college football landscape for thinking that um, because it would certainly look that way. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point from both you guys. Um, I mean, my take on it is – you know, it's it's slowly morphing back to where Chad's kind of at. Like, you know, I, they're they're continuing to peel back a layer every week of something else with this. And at some point, you know, whether it's true or it's false, at this point, nothing's going to matter because everything that's that's going to be penalized in the very near future has happened. You know, Harbaugh's done until after this game, and nothing else is going to happen this season. And the NCAA at the earliest might be February before they find anything out. Um, all I request is at least a 30 for 30 on this or ESPN <laughs> 60 or some sort of Netflix miniseries. Dude, because that's the last thing Connor Stallions needs. Is a oh, I don't care. I don't care. You put yourself in that. First of all, I want to understand about these vacuum cleaners. I want to understand about this LLC out in Wyoming. Like, okay, I well, want to know all, everything. First of all, the LLC, as someone who's set up an LLC online, you don't need a signature from anybody. You can put anybody's name on your LLC, and they don't know. They don't. That's have true. To. Actually, that's that true. That's the podcast. I, I left Davis off of it, and I own the whole thing right now. <laughs> that's true. We we actually had to have a we actually we actually had to have a gentleman's agreement over the phone. <laughs> a verbal yeah, it, a verbal so, contract that's binding. But I mean, dude, the guy had a man of. I mean, I think the problem was he just was insane. He, he just he just was a complete. We had a manifesto. Groupie. Like the last time I heard the word yes. manifesto, wasn't that Adolf Hitler? <laughs> yeah, something like it. I'm dead I mean, serious. I've not heard that term since like history class. Yeah, it, dude. The, like that's why I said the whole, this is undoubtedly the most bizarre scandal we've seen in college sports. I would go that far. Just just purely bizarre the way it has played out and just kind of what you've learned about the characters involved. It's, it's just a weird – and I just don't get it. Like, the, the linebackers coach getting involved with covering for Connor Stallions. Why? Like, what's the point? The guy's already fired. Just let him go. I don't, there, I don't there's got There's got to be something behind that. Now, let me ask you this. Before all this started, have you ever heard of Connor Stallions' name? No. Didn't know who he was. Had no idea. Yeah. So that, that right there – and just on the basis, because I mean, as someone that's heavily involved in the sport, especially with us at Ohio State, we know we're aware of all of our assistant coaches and all the important names, and even the big grad assistants. Like we, you know, we have James Laurinaitis as a grad assistant right now, so we're aware of big time names. And the fact that he's not even a name that most people are aware of until they just first heard of him, but yet he's on the sidelines talking to offensive and defensive coordinators and Jim Harbaugh, like. That it, there is just so many things, and that the whole CMU. What's your take on the CMU? Is that him on the sidelines? Well, I think I think the CMU thing is just Jim McElwain's just a buffoon of a coach. He is like, dude, after his debacle at Florida and what he did, they're just driving the program into the gutter. The way he's just a complete, just doofus on the sidelines. How do you not know who's on your sideline? How does somebody get CMU school-sponsored gear? get a press pass or some sort of sideline pass and just walk onto your sideline and nobody looks around and says, who the hell is this guy just standing next to us in the middle of this game with sunglasses on in the dark? Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like that would be suspicious during the game. Dude, it's my favorite part of this entire saga 
is when they finally oh. uncover and like they do the reenactment and they show him in like the in like the varsity club bookstore just buying up a hat and a shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then like yeah, and he's over at Best Buy getting like the recordable glasses and everything, and then all of a sudden he just like somehow just meanders onto the field. Yeah, I, I do think. Listen, I do think the whole thing. I, I I guess my other stance is this, and and I just the competitive drive in me doesn't allow me to do this. But like if you know someone has an unfair advantage prior to them beating you, which everyone says they did. It's not just Ohio State, but a lot of schools say they knew that Jim Harbaugh was doing this stuff or Michigan was doing this stuff, whatever, but nobody said anything. And it wasn't brought out until they start winning. To me, that's just that's just cowardice if that's the case. And, and if that is proven to be true, like that is just cowardice to then say it after they start winning. To me, it's either you say it up front or you don't say it at all. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't shirk punishment at all. Um, punishment is deserved if it's true, but... I just think it's kind of, I, I just think it's kind of shitty to bring it out after they win and then say, oh, we've known about this for years. Yeah. So let me leave you with one last question, and we'll we'll move on to this weekend, the most important part. Um, but let me ask you this last question here. Your opinion? Do you think, assuming all is true and Michigan knew all the signs and um, everything that we've heard is as factually accurate as it can be? Do you believe that had a bigger stake in the last two years against Ohio State? And do you think that might have adjusted the outcome? So this is a very interesting question. I actually, when this all started coming out, I studied 2021 and 2022. Um, 2021, I think, if, if anybody's honest, they can say Michigan was just a more physical and stronger team than Ohio State in that game. It seemed like it really felt like Ohio State was holding back. You didn't get the normal firepower that you got from Ryan Day offenses in years previous. Last year, though, I think it was – if you look at that game, there are several key moments that Ohio State just missed opportunities. First off, um, Ohio State had – in the first quarter, they were up 7 nothing. They had a fourth and two from the Michigan's 38-yard line. Cade Stover runs right past the linebacker, is wide open, and C.J. Stroud just overthrows him. He completes that pass as the first down. Michigan might not score that drive. The very next drive was the first Cornelius Johnson touchdown. He just broke two tackles down the sideline. Ohio State was right there. And then you had um, the play in the end zone that Cade Stover literally catches the football, and Mike Sainer still just makes a play and knocks out his hands at the very last second. There were several moments like that where Ohio State did all the right things, and either they were just out of reach or Michigan just made a play. Um but I think overall, last year's game, they were not poorly coached in that game. I, I didn't see. Um, it seemed like they just missed opportunities to make plays. So I really don't think it had a lot to do with those games in particular. And on top of that, dude, in or last year, the game before Ohio State, Illinois held Michigan to 19 points, and we won on the last second field goal. So if we're stealing signs, why did Illinois hold us to 19 points? And there's some people that agree with that. However, just because you have the sign and there's that other side of the ticket, like just because you have the sign doesn't necessarily mean that you know exactly what the play is. A lot of the times, you know, it, 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 a lot of the time it was like, okay, is it run or pass or what, what's the, like, I may not know exactly what the play call is, but at least I can put my defense in a better favorable position to defend that potential play. Sure. Um, And I do agree with that. There's, there's some advantage to it. Um, 
but I, I, th- I, I think I think also I think when, also it's a lot more important uh, the defense knowing the offensive signs compared to our your offense knowing the defensive signs because yeah, the defensive 100%. play calls coming in are a lot more basic and the offensive play calls mm-hmm. are a lot more complex and even the mm-hmm. you know having to change those uh, you know once you realize that you know your plays might be uh you know might be figured out already in the middle of a game is hard to hard to undertake a change on offense so well, just because you know like in your reference the Illinois game just because Ohio, uh, Michigan only scored 19 in that game I think it was more along the lines of you need to look at Michigan's defense compared to the offensive production of the opposing team more than the other way around of Michigan's offense, in my opinion. Now, I do I do think there's a benefit to be had on the offensive side, but I feel like it's going to be a lot more defensively favored. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. Yeah, I, I do agree. If there's an advantage, it's definitely to the defense. Um, I, I think that, though, when I look at the Michigan-Ohio State game from the last two years, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've sat through a lot of Michigan-Ohio State beatdowns. Now, it's been a while since I've seen one of those, so um, maybe I'm forgetting. But uh, it, it seems like the firepower that Ohio State has come out with against Michigan in the past when, you know, a long time ago when they did win that game, um, the offense was much more wide open. And now the last two times they've played, it's almost seemed like Ohio State's not been taking shots down the field that they had so much success with in years prior. Um, and not that they didn't have the talent to do that. 2021, Ohio State had probably the deepest wide receiver room in the country um, and just seemed like they were kind of playing with one hand tied behind their back, not really taking the big shots um, that they normally do. Um, and, and Ryan Day punting out of situations I didn't think they normally would. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a huge key coming into this game on Saturday is, is are they going to get back to that style of play where they've just kind of let it all hang out um, and just let the chips fall where they may? And I think you actually bring up an interesting point before I, I chime chat in here in a second is, you know, how much of the last couple of years that we've seen is to blame with Ryan Day and what we've seen with Ryan Day in his play calling compared to what we've seen Ryan Day in play calling in other games. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there was just some things that happened in that 2021 game, but you could definitely see Ryan Day kind of in his head last year. Uh, wanting to be aggressive but unsure about being aggressive and then trying to be aggressive in certain spots and then play calls didn't go the right way and just barely missing. You know, it it just – I think Ryan Day kind of like tried to get too creative or too in his own head last year. And then you can see the Ryan Day, you know, against Georgia last year where he finally Mm -hmm. lets it all loose. And I think he finally understands who he has to be this year. Yeah. So I think he finally understands who he needs to be this year. But – He's also a little bit handicapped because of, you know, our offense is not the offense we've had the last couple of years. So let's get into this weekend. And before we do that, Chad, is there anything else you'd like to ask him off top, you know, kind of off top, like not having to do with this weekend's game uh, that, that's kind of been pressing your mind? I mean, not really, because, you know, it's all been set. We beat it into the ground. In my opinion, the NCAA is going to find out what they find out. And they're going to let us know what it is. And I'm sure when they do, we'll have plenty to talk about. But until then, I'm just, you know, I'm ready for Saturday. So, Tyler, again, I'll kind of leave it up to you uh, with where you're at. And because uh, those of you listening, you already heard uh, earlier this episode when, when me and Chad kind of previewed our expectations for this game. But give me what, you know, I, I guess maybe your confidence level 
maybe your confidence level compared to the last couple years, and then what you're really expecting to see and maybe what you're hoping to see this weekend. Yeah, so I – listen, I as I kind of look at things and look at the way this game plays out, you've got two of the top three defenses in the country going at it this weekend. I think, first of all, credit where credit's due, Jim Knowles has done a fantastic job this year with the Ohio State defense. Um, to me, this game on Saturday – um, and, and I'll get to kind of where I'm at confidence-wise in a second. To me, the game on Saturday is about two two particular matchups. Um, number one, it's going to be Ohio State's running game versus Michigan's defense. I think that this year particularly, Ohio State's run game has been so much more consistent and so much more dangerous, and that's primarily due to Henderson being healthy and being available this whole season. So if – Ohio State is able to run the ball really well and stay two-dimensional on offense. It's going to make things much more difficult for Michigan. And then the other piece is going to be J.J. McCarthy against Ohio State's secondary. And what I mean by that is not the deep shots because Ohio State is limiting that. It's going to be, is he going to be okay just taking a profit on plays, taking the underneath throws? And we've seen him this year not do well at that, want to get it all in one throw, and that's led to problems. Um, So those are the two big things that I'm looking at this year um, and, and I'm curious I don't think Ryan Day is going to have it in him to commit to the run game because he wants so badly to beat Michigan um, and because he hasn't beat us in three years he's definitely thinking he wants to win this game I don't think he's going to stick to the run game I think he's going to kind of take Henderson out of it on his own because he's going to want it so badly um, and so I, I think McCarthy does grow up a little bit more and will take the underneath stuff for me, I would say as far as confidence levels, I'm probably more confident this year than I have been in the last two years um, just because I think that uh, Ohio State's not shown a great ability to get after the quarterback, and that's really what's made McCarthy struggle this year has been when people can get after him. It's why he didn't throw the ball in the second half against Penn State. They couldn't handle the pass rush. Um, but Ohio State's only got 14 sacks on the year this year. So I don't think they're going to get to McCarthy. I think he's going to be able to sit back there and throw and do whatever he needs to do. I think Michigan will run the ball. There's kind of been a myth that they can't run the ball this year. The reality is they're just not running it as much. But Blake Corn's averaging just as many yards per carry as he did last year. Um, so those are the two things. I, I just I, I don't see Ryan Day sticking to the run game and allowing Henderson to be involved. And if Ohio State becomes one-dimensional – I have all the respect in the world for Marvin Harrison, but um, Michigan doubles him. I don't see the other guys beating Michigan, um, and, and I don't know that McCord's going to be able to handle the pressure in the big house first game against Michigan. I, I just I don't see it. Chad, what do you say to that? Well, I mean, he has a lot of good points. I mean, that's that's the things I think we're all thinking about, I guess, you know, as a fan base. Obviously, you know, as an Ohio State fan, you have nightmares about uh, Michigan running it down your throat. I mean, if you – Tim Bianca Patuka. That Tim name Bianca is Patuka. forever – ingrained in my head absolutely and you know i you know when he mentioned earlier about 2021 um i felt the same way i told you from the second that that game started we knew what they were going to do and we couldn't stop it and that's my biggest fear going into saturday um it's the same thing i kind of fear the running game i really don't fear jj mccarthy through the air now i said he may take the under stuff the under underneath stuff the stuff that's given to him stuff in the flats like i can definitely see that i don't see him beating this defense long um, I just don't see it. I, I got to be honest with you, man. I think that this game, my honest opinion, is going to come down to who can throw the ball. I think we're both going to try to run the ball. 
pretty well. But I think it's going to be who can bust a big play deep at some point in the game. I think that's going to be the yeah, difference, how, man. So so then, but you know Michigan's going to come out and going to double Marvin Harrison Jr. They have to. If they don't, they might as well not show up. So if they double him and at least limit his production, because we all know there's no way to stop him, how how are you going to trust Abuka and Stover to get the job done when they've proven in years past they can't? Well, they uh, well Stover's proven pretty good this year that he can. I mean, if you watch any Ohio State games this year, he's a you know he's the second leading receiver on the team. Um, I trust him yeah, pretty I, much in any situation. I get that, but last year he didn't. I mean, last year they needed someone to step up, and nobody did. Well, the all great right, thing so, about 2022 is that it's not 2023. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're going to well, try right, it again so, this so year. Here, here's one thing about that that I'll, I'll put this point out there is um, if you've noticed – there was a visible difference between the speed that a lot of our players played at last year and the speed they played at against Georgia. Uh, We had a lot of those players that were playing a lot of minutes last year and they got burnt out and they had tired legs and you could visibly see that they were not full strength last year. I mean, we were on our third string running back and when the other team knows that you can't run the ball, uh, it's a lot easier to bracket your biggest player. But if you have a player, a healthy player like Travion Henderson on the team that can gash you, you can't just constantly bracket Marvin. Even if you do, then it is one-on-one with Cade Stover and Emeka Abuka. Um, I feel like health-wise, we're coming into this game as best we have in the last three years. Now, whether you believe the, the rumors or not, whether the flu bug hit the team back in 2021 – there, there's no doubt that in last year we were decimated at a lot of spots. So um, I'm not seeing – I understand you're historically basing your opinion off what you've seen in the past, but I'm telling you that this is going to be one of the healthier Ohio State teams that are coming into this game in the last couple of years. Well, and, and, and that's fair, and, and I don't – you know, I, I hope that's the case. Um, I, don't, I don't like when, when teams are down key players – um, but, but I think if you, if you step back and look at the, the areas that are most important in not, not just every game, but particularly in this game, every year, typically it's come down to the teams that can capitalize on momentum opportunities. So for example, coming off a turnover, do you come out and score, but also in the red zone. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, Ohio state's only got a 61% touchdown ratio in the end zone. So they're not really paying off the end zone necessarily as far as getting six. Um, and, and I think that if Michigan keeps them out of the end zone like they have the last couple of years, that's been one of the issues. I mean, how many field goals did they force Ryan Day and Ohio State to settle for that in years past would have been six points? And if they continue to do that, you can't beat this Michigan team with field goals. You just can't. you got it. You got to be able to score touchdowns. And I don't, I don't know that, that – they're, they're going to be able to capitalize and get touchdowns in the red zone if Ryan Day's not willing to commit to the run game and give Henderson his carries. And I personally, I just don't think he will. I think he's a pass-heavy coach. He likes to throw the ball, and he's going to continue to want to do that, especially against Michigan. I mean, that, that that's a fair take, but let, let me ask you this question. What would you say to the people that say that Michigan's defensive numbers are inflated due to the schedule that they've played? And when they finally played some better teams – um, namely the last couple weeks, uh, obviously they struggled this past weekend with Maryland and, um, I, you know, I wouldn't say they struggled against Penn state, but clearly Penn state's offense against a good defense is inept is completely useless. So, 
you know, you could clearly run the ball the entire second half and still dominate that game. But that kind of game plan is not going to work this weekend. Regardless of what you think about Kyle McCord and this passing offense, it's still going to be the best passing offense that you've seen all year. And it's arguably going to be one of the better, if not the best running uh, offense that you've seen all year. And it's still a down Ohio State offense. But, you know, how many good offenses has Michigan really played this year that gives you a ton of confidence thinking that they're just going to shut them down? Well, I think that it's for for the same reason that when we watched, um, was it last year or two years ago, where Georgia's strength of schedule was non-existent. But the reason we respected them so much, they went out and blew out every team they were supposed to. Um, You know, they didn't play close games against straight-up bad teams. Um, Now, I don't care what anybody says, Michigan overlooked Maryland. And and they, in the past, they've done that a ton. They, They overlooked their opponent right before Ohio State. Um, so I, I think that that's everyone gives give you the BS like, oh, we don't overlook anybody. Yeah, bullshit. Yes, you do. Especially when you're Michigan or Ohio State. You look towards Michigan. You look towards Ohio State. Um, so I, as far as the numbers being inflated, maybe they are. But when I look at the players on that side of the ball, they're all guys that have been around and play key roles in this game before. They're used to it. They're ready for it. They know what it takes to win. So I guess for me, I'm not necessarily basing on the numbers from the defense, but rather just the fact that I've seen this group of guys get it done against Ohio State in back-to-back years. All right, so before I I, I get your score prediction for this game, I got one final question I want to ask you, and Chad might have another one he might want to add too, but how much of a factor do you think it will be this weekend not having Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines? I think that we will see it the most this weekend. A hundred percent. I'm not going to say that that doesn't matter. I think it will matter. Um, I think that Harbaugh is a tone setter for this team and he sets a certain, um, he creates a certain expectation on the sideline of the way that they conduct themselves and handle themselves. I think it will matter. Um, But I think you also got a group of guys that are hungry um, and whether or not you you agree with the free Harbaugh stuff, I think it's all kind of silly to be honest. Um, But I think that they're, they're motivated to prove that it wasn't the signs that made them who they were and made them as successful they were. So I think that's going to be just fuel to the fire. I think they're going to come out ready to prove that they actually are just one of the best teams in the country. Um, and, and so especially playing at home, senior day, um, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion in that stadium that's going to play in Michigan's favor. Uh, I, got one. I got one. Go ahead. Before we wrap this up. It kind of ties into that a little bit. So it's kind of a perfect setup. Um, you know, you were talking about kind of what it means to uh, to Michigan fans and players to to try to get this win on Saturday. But are you at all concerned about kind of the level that the Ohio State fans and the you know the pressure that Ryan Day is feeling? Because for us, and I know you're not seeing it this way, and I understand that you know there's two sides to every coin. But you know, to Ohio State, they feel like they've been cheated. Whether or not we feel like. You know, the last two games were one because of sign stealing, allegedly or not. You know that 75 percent of Buckeye Nation is going to feel that way automatically mm-hmm. off the rip. It's just like in the DNA. So if they feel like that, they know that this might be the last chance that they get at Harbaugh, maybe if he goes to the NFL. And also, you know, on top of that, a lot of people feel like the kind of COVID year was bullshit that, you know, he kind of ducked us in the COVID year. So, you know, you put all that together. Are you worried about all that emotion? that Ohio State is feeling coming into this game having an effect on the outcome? I think that that will definitely play a factor. Um, however, I, I think the reason I, I give 
if I'm looking at the emotional factor from both teams, the reason I would put that more in the Michigan camp um, is because I, I think that um, in, in the last two years, I think it is fair to say that the last two years that Ohio State and Michigan have faced, we have seen Ohio State play very undisciplined football as far as penalties go um, the last two years against them. I personally believe that that stuff starts with the coaching staff and being able to get your guys in the right mindset to be thinking correctly as the game gets going, to not let your emotions get the better of you. Um, I've just not seen anything from Ryan Day and from the coaching staff that says they're going to get their guys' emotions in check. Now, with that said, if they do, and especially if Ohio State gets off to a hot start and comes out fast and furious, it could be a long day for Michigan. I'm not saying that's not a possibility. Um, I'm fully aware that they could harness that. I've just not seen any evidence that they that they have in the past or that Ryan Day will do that. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing to coach with emotion. I think it's good for your players. Um, but it, for me personally, as a fan watching, um, I've just not seen Ryan Day handle that well, and, and so I don't expect anything different this Saturday, unfortunately. Um, but that's just because I haven't seen it up to this point. Does that make sense? So, I mean, there, there's a common misconception lately just because of the last two years, but Ryan Day does have a win against Michigan and against Jim Harbaugh, and it was in relatively convincing fashion. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like he, he doesn't have the capability to do this. However, you're not saying anything that's not true that a lot of Ohio State fans feel that we yeah, feel. Yeah, and, and, and I think that the key is not to – it's just with – the 2020 happening right after he beat Michigan the first time he was so mad about 2020. I think the science stealing thing aside, I think that did play against Ohio state. I think he wanted so badly to come out and score a hundred that, you know, just didn't take the opportunities that he had in front of him to get points and to, to push for six rather than three. And that ultimately put them in a bad, put them behind the eight ball. And I think last year wanting to get revenge, I mean, how many personal fouls has Ohio State had in the last two years against Michigan? That's emotion. Those are emotional penalties. Um, so I'm not saying Ryan Day can't do it, and I'm not saying that he's not. A, I have a, a ton of respect for Ryan Day as a play caller. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, offensive coordinators in the country. I really do. Um, but as far as a head coach, the last two years, he's let the emotions get the better of him. So this is going to most likely, and I know this might be a hot take, it may not be a hot take, but I'm going to predict for a really long time, I wouldn't say ever because it's you never say ever, but this is going to be one of the, the last times that we're going to see for a long time Ohio State and Michigan facing each other at the end of the year unbeaten. Would you agree to that? I want you yeah, to think about I, it because we are now so. extending yeah, the Big Ten – Oh, uh, you are now bringing yeah, in think. so many other teams. Like I, I I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here, especially knowing what might possibly happen to Michigan at the end of the season. Not only are they going to be losing a ton of key players, and they might have a rough couple years, but I don't know, you know, whatever the NCAA decides in the future, how much that's going to affect the program long term. Plus, you know, I mean. Let's say on the other end of the spectrum, if something negative happens to Ohio State this weekend, I don't know what that does to our program because if we start losing, you know, if Ryan Day leaves for the NFL, all of a sudden someone comes and cherry picks uh, Brian Hartline. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've i told Chad this earlier, and I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but I really feel like the game this weekend might be the biggest Ohio State-Michigan matchup in the history of the programs. 
Yeah, with what's coming down the pike, absolutely. With the expansion of the Big Ten, with the other schools coming in um, and kind of doing away with the divisions as we know it, um, are they going to be able to protect the Big Ten-Ohio State rivalry, which we've seen the NCAA do at, let certain rivalries slip um, as a result of realignments and things. So do I think it goes away? No. But do I think that there's going to be so much other stuff going on um, especially with teams like USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington coming into the Big Ten, um, it is going to make for a much more difficult path to two undefeated meeting at the end of the season. So, yeah, I think, man, with everything that's going on with Michigan, with I don't care what anybody says, Ryan Day is on the hot seat. If he loses this year, his, he's going to be in trouble, um, and he's going to have to figure something out quickly. Um so I think that there's so many key things, like you said, that could change at the end of this year that this matchup is extremely critical for both programs, not just this year, but looking into the future for many years to come. All right, give me your score prediction. I've I've got Michigan scoring late to take a lead and holding on. I think Michigan wins 31-27. Ooh, that's kind of high scoring considering these are two of the top three defenses. I think both defenses are going to have moments in this game where they're not quite ready for what's coming. Um, I think I do think Michigan is a much more physical team than Ohio State has played, and I think that's going to take a minute to adjust to. I think Ohio State has much better skill position players than anybody Michigan has played, so they're going to get opportunities. Marvin Harrison's going to do what he does. I have you know, no issue with saying he would probably go for 100-plus and a touchdown or two against this Michigan defense, um, but I think Michigan gets the ball back sticks to the run late in the game, scores late, takes the lead, and holds on. So I think the only thing that we can at least agree upon, all three of us, is that this game doesn't feel like it's going to get out of hand either which way, especially with the way the defenses are playing. This feels like it's going to come down to the last minute. Yeah, I, I think, I think that – yeah, I, I think, you know, turnover battle is going to be huge. If one team wins the turnover battle, I think they're going to be in position to win. This game is going to come down to – the most minute details. Um, and, and that's the one area I would give the edge to Ohio State because Sharon Moore is not a standard head coach. He's not had a ton of head coaching experience, obviously. So um, it, it's going to come down to the X and O's and critical coaching decisions at critical moments. All right. Well, um, I think that probably wraps it up. I really want to appreciate Tyler for coming on. Uh, he had a lot of great insight, especially from uh, the perspective of someone that is a fan of the team up north. Even though we cannot stay in that state, cannot stay in that team, we hope everything horrible happens to them. At least, Tyler, we do appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Chad, um, you ready to wrap this thing up? Yes, sir. All right, guys. So, um, again, this weekend, I don't care what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. If you got a job, quit. Call in sick. Whatever you got to do. But noon on Fox, big noon Saturday, it is the game. Uh, probably the biggest one we've had in recent memory with everything going on and is pretty much a playing game for the college football playoff. So, um, here's to hoping for a big Ohio State victory. Um, we, we will... Obviously, uh, post-game this uh, after this weekend. And also want to give a nod to uh, Chad, uh, who will be expecting uh, his uh, third his third child here b- before that game. So, That's correct. I'm hoping to God she's an Ohio State fan. 
listen, you you have a lot of influence in that, so I'm pretty sure you can make that happen. But I'll probably drive her the other way. You know what I mean? Go so hard at it at Ohio State. She ends up <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, no, I cannot stand Ohio State. My dad was so <laughs> obsessive. Like, I'm just going to become a fan of anyone else. Oh. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, as always, uh, you can check out all of our episodes on all major streaming services. We also post them on our website. That is DTIPodcast.com. And we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter handle as well, So, or Twitter X, whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, so give us a look out on those. And until next time, guys, go Bucks. Oh, wait. Oh, wait.